Thanks to all of you for being with us. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Um, We'll get into some more details. The program unfolds today about uh, Governor Cuomo of New York. It's it's now a real problem, but and and I'm going to explain very specifically why. Um, And I want to remind you to an hour or two. Look, we, we keep reading about these breakthrough COVID-19 cases. It is a tiny percentage, but something I, I'd like to know what happened, for example. I think we have a right to know, and I think it needs to be investigated. Five hundred, Around 500 people, Provincetown, 74% of which had been fully vaccinated. Uh, a very dear, close personal friend of mine, fully vaccinated, tested positive on Saturday. In less than 24 hours, he had Regeneron in his system, and... Um, I talked to Lindsey Graham last night. I think he's following, going to be following the same protocol. He didn't say. I don't know, but I know in my friend's case. He knows that I'm talking about him and just not mentioning his name. Um, and anyway, so the, the, we're going to focus on something very, very different, and that is if it's a breakthrough case or you didn't get vaccinated, okay, what, what are the therapeutics? In other words, rather than reactive medicine, what can you do to be proactive because I, I know too many examples of too many people that I know that got COVID and they go and they test positive and they're told go home and uh, you take your temperature regularly. If your temperature goes up, take two extra strength Tylenol, get your temperature down, you know, put a cool washcloth over your head and uh, get an oxygen meter. And if your oxygen levels drop below uh, 90, uh, yeah, you better get your, your backside to an emergency room. Uh, the problem is, when that that point happens again there are there are special cases everywhere i'm not playing doctor here but everything i've read shows that, that usually happens around day seven through ten maybe six through ten whatever but it, that's when the lungs get hit and by the time that oxygen now starts sinking into the 80s or lower now you're in deep trouble because now the damage has been done and the overreaction that some people have had with the, their immune system in their lungs. Now, now you've got a life and death situation. And, you know, in, in the beginning of this mess, the ventilators were not the greatest option. If you got one, we never ran out of them. But if you got on one, your odds were quite low of surviving. They've gotten a lot better at it. They've learned more about it. But it's still under 50% survival rates if you get on a ventilator that's why i'm very interested you know we have one of the most underutilized in my non-medical opinion layman's opinion because i've seen it with my own eyes anecdotally is that regeneron is probably the most underutilized therapeutic out there and you know with with the practices of harvard Medical school trained Dr. George Fareed, Dr. Brian Tyson. They've been doing this proactive frontline treatment of COVID for a long time, and they've developed their therapeutics from day one. First thing they're going to tell you now, based on the availability of Regeneron, is go get Regeneron. Go get the infusion immediately. And then they use a combination of ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, vitamin D3, vitamin C, zinc, and you know, I, a couple of other things that escape me right now. Um, anyway, they're going to take your calls just really on more on the therapeutic side of this. This is meant to be informational. We're not telling you what to do. But what do I keep saying? Take it seriously. Get as much study this. 
you know, get informed about it, even opinions you might disagree with, you know, take into account your unique medical history and your current unique medical condition. See your doctor, your doctors, consult with them, other medical professionals you trust, and then you're going to have to make your own decision on all these things. I, I, I really find it kind of shocking that everybody wants to play doctor in Washington and doctor on TV and radio. I just, I, I don't feel comfortable doing that. I don't think it's responsible. I'm not a doctor. Now, I've seen the worst of this. That's why I say take it seriously. You know, it was, the, I remember Jimmy Kimmel when I said, I don't mind wearing the stupid mask if it's going to protect older people. I know it's going to be short lived and I know that. You know, I, I would never want to know that if I was asymptomatic and had this this thing that I could have impacted somebody that would have a, a hard time with it or even worse. So, you know, and I wanted I wanted arenas opened up. I want concerts again. I want games again, although I'm less interested in sports now. I mean, it's gotten so bad at the Olympics. I mean, it was so sad to see when the the women's soccer team lost. I think they lost to Canada. You know, I mean, James showed me like things that were being said online. And I just was like, it's sad that because politics is brought into sports. Now people, you know, they cheer when America loses. I don't, I don't want to ever have to cheer for America losing. They take the most unifying moment, a shared passion for a sport and a home team. And they're adding politics to it. It's so dumb. You know, it's everybody's trying to escape some of that which is why people love and have a passion uh, for their home team and whatever sport it happens to be. All backgrounds, all races, high-fiving, sharing popcorn, buying beers, you know, and the hot dogs together, right? Um, let me go to the Cuomo thing, and let me explain. So he has his press conference today. The New York State Attorney General, uh, Letitia James, has confirmed in her report he gave 11 hours, apparently, of testimony that Andrew Cuomo is a serial sexual harasser. Bipartisan pressure. This is where I'm now watching, and I because I didn't think it would happen, to be blunt. It's it's just if if you are a Republican, if you're a conservative, you know, you 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 better not jaywalk or spit on the sidewalk, because if you do. They'll want to put you away for life. And I mean that, especially you have no idea how the 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 meticulous detail. I just assume my taxes are pulled every year. So I have my first accounting team come in. And then based on the recommendation of my lawyer, I use his accounting firm to come in behind them. And I pay twice to do it again. And the instructions are very clear from me and my lawyers. Pay it. Don't take it, you know, if it's questionable in any way, meaning the deduction. And it's because I, I just understand how this, this game is played. I mean, really, we still haven't gotten the Durham report. You have the exact same referrals made against top FBI officials, referral by the Inspector General Horowitz, you know, in the case of Roger Stone, Manafort, et cetera, but in Roger Stone's case, what do you get? You get a pre-dawn raid, guns drawn, 30 guys in tactical gear, frogmen and CNN cameras for the, you know, incredible crime of lying to Congress, which is exactly what the inspector general said top people at the FBI have done. Well, what happened to those guys? 
They didn't have a pre-dawn raid. They didn't have CNN cameras. They're, they're, they're making a ton of money and getting hired by, you know, liberal news networks and writing books that, you know, hate Donald Trump. So I just, you know, I just, I've run my life accordingly. Anyway, so the New York Post has the latest update on this, as now lawmakers on both sides of the aisle are calling on Governor Cuomo to resign following this 165-page report released by the State Attorney General James on Tuesday, confirming that, that, The governor sexually harassed 11 women and retaliated against a former employee for speaking out. Now, the demands come after months of months long investigation. They're still waiting on the final report as it relates to the nursing home scandal, which I would argue would be a much bigger vulnerability for the governor, in my humble opinion, too. Um, But both together, you know, again, if you're a Republican, imagine if your last name's Trump. Last name's Biden. You can you can lie on a gun application, dump the gun in a dumpster, and nobody cares. If you're Hunter Biden um, and you have no experience in oil, gas, and energy, you can make millions of dollars with no experience consulting Burisma. And then when you start getting in trouble and getting investigated by a prosecutor, daddy will leverage a billion taxpayer dollars in what is a real quid pro quo and say you're not getting it unless you fire the prosecutor investigating my zero-experienced son making a fortune or the money for a, a sports car from a Kazakhstan oligarch or the, the $3.5 million to his company from a Russian oligarch and for, former first lady of Moscow. Maybe, is that why Putin got his waiver? Is that why Putin got the waiver on the pipeline? Why, is that why he got the summit as a reward? One has to wonder. Never mind the $1.5 billion deal with the Bank of China. China is now threatening to destroy our military bases in the China Sea and and basically take over our ally, Taiwan. And they're also threatening our ally, Japan. And Joe Biden hasn't said a word. And that the mullahs in Iran, Joe Biden just pressured them, the, the South Koreans, to give $7 billion to the mullahs in Iran as that we now have reports they attacked Israel recently and, in fact, that they are enriching more uranium than ever. And let me tell you what that means. That'll be simple math. A squared, B squared equals C squared. You know, radical convert or die mullahs in Iran coupled with nuclear weapons represents a clear and present danger for the entire world in terms of mass death that that could happen. Because that fanaticism is capable of anything. We saw it on 9-11, in case you've forgotten. I haven't. And never mind that China and Russia are providing arms to the number one state sponsor of terror, Iran, too. All right, but I digress. Anyway, so the demands now are out there. Both Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, have called for the governor's resignation stating that he has lost the confidence of the people of New York. You know, the report can't say anything different, Cuomo told reporters in April, because I didn't do anything wrong, but confronting, overcoming the COVID crisis requires sure and steady leadership. The nursing home? Anyway, we commend the brave actions, et cetera, et cetera. Due to the multiple credible sexual harassment misconduct allegations, it is clear the governor has lost the confidence of the governing partner's and the people of New York and Governor Cuomo should 
resign. Joint statement, Schumer and Gillibrand. That's a big deal. That takes it to another level. And I have my own theory, my own thesis. I think Chuck Schumer fears a primary. Now, let's say if Letitia James got challenged by Kirsten Gillibrand. Hmm. Well, maybe she would appoint Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez to the Senate so Chuck doesn't have competition when he wants to run again. I don't know. That would be very conspiratorial. I don't believe that, but who knows? Um, but anyway, who knows what people's political ambitions are? Um, and it's not just the two senators. Uh, House Democratic Caucus Chair Hakeem Jeffries, uh, New York Democratic Representatives Tom Swazi, Gregory Meeks, they issued a statement echoing Schumer and Gillibrand. Uh, Elise Stefanik went as far as calling for Cuomo to be arrested for his conduct, adding that his accusers deserve swift, swift and definitive justice. He must resign, resign immediately. President Joe Biden must immediately call for Cuomo's resignation. In December, I was the first federal official to publicly call for an independent investigation. Anyway, she said in a statement. Uh, by the way, in the I'll get into this later. Cuomo's caught on tape serenading one of the sexual harassment victims with Do You Love Me? Apparently that tape is there. All right, so to update you, the congressional delegation growing uh, House Democratic Caucus Chair Hakeem Jeffries, New York Congressman Tom Swazi, Congressman Greg Meeks issued a statement echoing both uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Senator Kirsten Gillibrand calling for Governor Cuomo's resignation, stating that he lost the confidence of the people of New York, confronting and overcoming the, you know, it goes on and on and on. Due to multiple credible sexual harassment misconduct allegations, it is clear Governor Cuomo has lost confidence uh, of the governing partners of the of the people of New York. Governor Cuomo should resign. Listen, I'm not assigning any any motives to anybody i i just know how democratic politics work in new york especially it's a very tight-knit group and and you have a, a lot of personal ambitions that sometimes go into all of this but uh, i i'm surprised they did it this swiftly and that that that's a problem for governor cuomo never mind on top of the attorney general uh you know very aggressively looking into the nursing home scandal uh, apparently there is a, I, I, it's a short, uh, apparently a recording of, of the governor, you know, singing lines to, um, then aide Charlotte Bennett calling him a, a, you know, one, nine, one minute, nine second audio clip of him singing, you know, do you love me to this aide? Um, she said, no, I'd never heard it before. And then he continued singing. So I, I don't know where that, what that means or how it goes. I'm just looking at it, but it seems that, you know, the New York AG says that he violated state and federal law, but is there going to be any prosecution? He said the allegations have been fully substantiated describing Cuomo's misconduct using the words criminal and illegal. And the AG said Cuomo had violated both state and federal law. The word indictment, however, has not been used by anybody. That's something to watch as time goes on. Biden said in April that he would should resign if it's true.
All right, 25 now to the top of the hour. Um, breaking news. Now, we have other breaking news before we get back to the Cuomo issue. Uh, law enforcement officials say one officer has died after a shooting took place earlier today outside of a Pentagon transit station. It's so sad. I, I, I James hit me with this article. I couldn't believe it. You have a police officer now shot and killed outside the Pentagon this morning, and then all the officers lining up and saluting the fallen law enforcement member. I mean, it is, it's just so sad and so tragic. I think we're over 150 now law enforcement officers killed in the line of duty this year. And I really, you know, it, it, over the years, I've spent so much time down in, in Washington. I can't tell you how many of these guys I've gotten to meet and know personally. They're awesome guys. Uh, I got a really cool picture once they let me sit on their motorcycle, the motorcycle uh, uh, police that are there. They, they all risk their, their lives every day. And now what are we now? What are they living through? Uh, you know, three times as many people dying from violence in D.C. than coronavirus last month. I mean, you know, do you get did you hear about that? Do you have you heard the names? Anyway, it's just sad. Our thoughts, our prayers for every police officer, every law enforcement officer, the 99% that that serve and protect their communities that, frankly, have been treated so horribly in in the last year and a half. I mean, it's it's despicable. It's so unfair. You get a bad officer, one bad apple does not represent an entire group of people. Just a fact. So anyway, this is any Governor Cuomo harassed women, tried to retaliate against his accuser. The attorney general finds what's interesting here. There's a couple of things because I did not expect New York lawmakers like the congressman that I mentioned, uh, Swazi and, and Greg Meeks and Hakeem Jeffries and Senators Gillibrand and Schumer to quickly call for the governor's resignation. I didn't expect it, but now the governor, I think, has a real problem. Uh, we still have the nursing home situation. That investigation is ongoing. Uh, one question, I, I think, is, you know, if you look at this report, the New York State Attorney General, you know, with this news conference this morning announcing the results of her months-long investigation into these, well, I guess it's 11 women total, uh, charges against Andrew Cuomo, and she said the allegation had been fully substantiated. She described the mi misconduct as criminal and illegal. Those words have meaning. And uh, the attorney general said Cuomo had violated both state and federal law, but the word indictment never crossed the attorney general's lips. I don't, I don't know whether you should read into that or not read into that. Um, anyway, the, um, you know, it's. If, if, if in doing so, the actual words were, it concluded that, that Cuomo sexually harassed multiple women and in doing so violated federal and state law, she said at a press conference. Her office noted, however, that there was no specific penalties tied to the report. Um, apparently, they had 179 witnesses. When Cuomo gave a statement today, you know, he the, the one photo that I think is became most notable in this case was at, I guess, a Christmas party 
of him holding the face of a young staffer and and kissing her. And I I don't remember if it was on the lips or the cheek. I just don't remember. So then he did a montage of him doing that to men and women, you know, over the years and saying that he didn't mean anything by it at all. Um, you may, I'll, I'll flash back here. President Biden had said in an April interview with ABC that Cuomo should resign if sexual misconduct allegations are confirmed to be true. And remember, the, the person that was leading the, the strongest case against Justice Kavanaugh, and remember, every, every one of those charges, you know, they just fell by the wayside. They were, you know, just fell apart. Um, and, you know, especially some of the more outrageous claims. Oh, when he was in high school, they would, you know, spike the drinks and got, the young men would line up every other weekend in the hall and, and take turns, uh, turns, you know, raping these young women. That was said at the time. Um, anyway, so here's what Biden said at the time in April. If the investigation confirms the claims of the women, should he resign? Yes, I think he'd probably end up being prosecuted, too. A woman should be presumed to telling the truth and should not be scapegoated and become victimized by her coming forward, number one. But there should be an investigation to determine whether what she says is true. That's what's going on now. Um, so now there is a piece out in the UK Independent that and, and NPR that Biden is expected to announce this afternoon whether he thinks Cuomo should resign. But that's what he said in April. By the way, I want to I want to correct one one statement that I made. There was a sh- shooting uh, that took place today in D.C., but this officer died of, of, as I understand it, from a a knife attack. Is that correct, Linda? Yeah, the, the police officer was stabbed to death outside the Pentagon. Okay, because if, if you looked at breaking nine one one, they had a that he had died after a shooting outside there was apparently also a shooting that's correct too that is correct okay so i I apologize um for making the error we try to be as accurate as we can we really do i I think the problem is that the suspect was shot the police officer was stabbed and it was it all happened this morning before 11 o'clock it was at the bus platform outside the metro and there were several people that were hit you know uh, it's going to be interesting to watch Biden. And I know he's in the presidential protection program like it was in the candidate protection program. But most of this audience knows about Tara Reid's allegations. You know, remember all the creepy, touchy, feely, you know, fingers through the hair stuff with creepy Joe. I mean, to me, it was creepy. My personal opinion. I'm not even allowed to run it because... They, 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 you know, the families of the these young girls, they don't want it run. And I don't blame them. And they deserve privacy. And I'm, we're respecting that, of course. Um, Jen Psaki, uh, during the White House press briefing, refused to, quote, get ahead of Biden's comments and said that the president will give his own response later today. And NPR, if, if Biden sticks by his call for Cuomo to resign, Remember, NPR even reported that Tara Reid, former junior staffer, Biden's Senate office, accused the presumptive presidential nominee at the time of sexually assaulting her in 1993 when she was working as a staff assistant. Kind of like Cuomo, the Biden campaign denied the accusation. Is that going to be taken seriously or is it only 
you know, I, I, I just don't know. I mean, I don't even know how to really explain this. And, and I hope things one day would change in New York. But I can't, you just look at New York politics. I can't tell you how many leaders in the assembly, leaders in the Senate, they, they all get conv- convicted. You know, I, I won't even talk to any New York politicians anymore. I want nothing to do with them. I don't. I don't trust any of them at this point. It's so. It's so bad in New York. It's. It's just. It's just stinks to high heaven. Um. Sadly, I, we, we told you about these breakthrough cases. Well, you have one top Democrat, a chief strategist for the Rhode Island Democratic Party. Yeah, hoping that Lindsey Graham dies from COVID. And I'm not making that up. Is it wrong to hope he dies from COVID, right? Asking for a friend. Hashtag COVID is not over. Hashtag Lindsey Graham, she posted. Well, okay. Um, anyway, even though the Democratic Party, you know, the I, I keep saying Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is the real Speaker of the House, Pelosi Speaker in name only. I see. I've been making this case that the squad... The New Green Deal, the human infrastructure, New Green Deal socialism, the Bernie Biden manifesto. The radicals run the party. Biden's checked out, so I'm not sure who's in charge there. Even 57% of Americans now say that. And so, but I see real fear in Pelosi because she knows if the squad turns on her, she's out. Gives tremendous power to AOC and the squad. And I think Chuck Schumer's afraid of her. Because she's, she would primary him, I think, in a heartbeat and would have a good shot at unseating him, in my humble opinion. But, uh, you know, New York politics is what it is. It's kind of like the, the socialist utopia of California at this point. By the way, you can't have, you, you know, Democrats don't want voter ID, but that New York will require proof of vaccination if you want to dine indoors or go to a gym. Comrade de Blasio says, by the way, I went into this in great detail with Congressman McCall last night. How the lab leak looks likelier. Yeah, the database was removed in the middle of the night, September 12th, without an explanation. Well, we knew they studied coronaviruses and they were involved in gain of function research. And we know that Anthony Fauci now knew on January 31st that likely a genome had been manipulated by a human in COVID-19. And we know a flurry of emails the next day, February 1st, 2020, about, uh, yeah, did, did we fund this? Do you think we funded this? Seemed panic to me, my read of it. Um, but Americans' optimism now are, are just, it's down 40% when people were saying just not that long ago, things are getting better. How, how can you think it's better? Even though the percentage is very low, and I know Provincetown is a definitely an anomaly as of right now. But will that remain an anomaly? I don't know the answers, but I think we need to investigate it. And now Lindsey Graham, fully vaccinated, gets COVID. One of my best friends, fully vaccinated, got COVID. These breakthrough cases are scaring people. Now, it seems that hospitalization death rates are still much lower. We're going to get into this. You know, we're just doing a whole thing on therapeutics with with medical professionals at the top of the hour. Just informational for you. You still got to make up your own mind and and do your own research. Um, 
the White House COVID response coordinator, it's time to impose vaccine requirements. Here we go. Told you that was coming as soon as they gave the nod to businesses and schools and universities. It was only a matter of time. An appeals court upheld Indiana University's vaccine mandate. You know, I hope they'll give these kids medical exemptions if they need it. There are rare conditions. I hope maybe they'll give them a, a study at home option if they just if, if they feel strongly about something, even whether I agree or disagree. I do believe in freedom. I also believe in medical privacy and doctor patient confidentiality, which I don't think anybody seems to be thinking about mask mandate reinstated in San Francisco. Comrade de Blasio at this moment strongly recommends vaccinated New Yorkers wear face masks indoors, but you're going to need what sounds like a passport. Joe Manchin apparently had a houseboat gathering that included Lindsey Graham over the weekend. Uh Uh-oh, that sounds dangerous to me. Um, there was one thing in the UK. I don't, I, I, I don't even want to bring it up because it's it just it's too out there to me. Um, we just don't know the long term impact. There are what they call long haulers that really struggle for a long period of time, either to get their taste and smell back, or other, you know, lagging symptoms that they've had to struggle with. Uh, governor threatening to suspend school board for refusing mask mandates in New Mexico. The CDC director says vaccinated children and adults should be wearing masks inside K through 12. You know, here we go again, more, you know, vacillating, ever changing standards that they're giving out. Uh, Senate Republicans demand that the CDC be investigated. I think they, they need to. They, they, we need to get to the bottom of how they can't get their story straight. And they're ever-changing, you know, guidelines. It's just as, as frustrating as all hell. I mean, it's incredible. Biden vaccine rules set the stage for an onslaught of lawsuits. That's one thing I can tell you. That was in the Hill today. Oh, DeSantis just torched Biden and and the Biden administration for their handling of the pandemic. Uh, for their false statement about his handling of the pandemic in Florida. And they're wrong. Um, there's been hot spots everywhere. Florida's done great. Their schools were open an entire year now. And in in-person learning. Anyway, 800-941-SEAN. We're just going to do a special hour. All right, with breakthrough cases, nobody talks about the most underutilized therapeutic we got. That's Regeneron. You know, how do you be proactive if you're a breakthrough case? How do you be proactive if you if you get the virus? What do we learn therapeutically, which nobody seems to ever want to discuss? Regeneron is I, I, I know too many great success stories with it for it to be ignored. But again, it's informational. You have to make your own decision. All right. A lot of ground to get to. All right. So you're a breakthrough covid positive case or unvaccinated covid positive case. Um, too little talk, in my opinion, about Regeneron, other therapeutics. Dr. George Fareed, Dr. Tyson, taking your calls uh, straight ahead. All right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show. Special hour we're doing here on the program. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Um, I understand that these breakthrough cases, fully vaccinated people, the, the percentage is very small. 
Uh, I can't explain the Provincetown, Massachusetts anomaly. Nearly 500 people uh, testing positive. 74% had been fully vaccinated. I, I, I can't explain that. Um, it's now hit me personally in my life. One of my best friends who fully vaccinated on Saturday, uh, in fact, tested positive and, and he had COVID. Um, and then, of course, Senator Lindsey Graham. I, I, I called twice yesterday, checked in on him. He says he's doing okay. Um, I talked to him about what options are available that I have learned from the many, many doctors that I have spoken to and interviewed over the last, you know, what, year and a half, I guess, at this point. It's insane. And, um, and every, like, for example, my, I, I had two people that I referred to our friend, Dr. George Farid, um, because I'm not a doctor. And I keep telling everybody, take it seriously, do your research, take into account your unique medical history, your current medical condition. Talk to your doctor, your doctors, uh, and then you're going to have to make that decision on your own. I refuse to play doctor on radio or TV, and I think all those people in Washington and all the people on TV that are telling me, oh, it's now mandated the vaccine, et cetera, et cetera. You don't know anything about anybody's condition. You know, whatever happened to medical privacy, whatever happened to doctor-patient confidentiality, I mean, all these people racing to tell the world, I got COVID, I got COVID, I got, all right. So this hour is specifically focused on, now, in the case of my friend down in Georgia, and within 24 hours of his diagnosis, Dr. Farid had arranged uh, Regeneron, an infusion, and uh, that's the monoclonal uh, antibody cocktails that they have, and also had prescribed what he and Dr. Tyson Again, they've been on the front lines of this from day one. They've treated thousands of people successfully with their therapeutics, including hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, et cetera, et cetera. So now that you have breakthrough cases, because we were told if you're fully vaccinated, you don't have to worry. And it seems at this point, Provincetown is definitely an anomaly. But I think we need to study it. How did that happen? Seventy four percent of people of 500 people were fully vaccinated contracting covid that's alarming should be alarming scientifically we need to try and get an answer right makes sense um the percentage of those people that in fact are being hospitalized or dying is is extraordinarily minuscule they've only announced 125,000 breakthrough cases i don't believe that number i think it's quickly going higher because my friend, for example, in New York that tested positive, fully vaccinated, he went to a, you know one of the dock-in-the-box places for his official test, and the guy said, that's all I'm seeing now. And then his own personal doctor said, that's all I'm seeing now are fully vaccinated people or, or, in the case, or some unvaccinated people. Okay, so now the question is, what if you get a break? What if you're fully vaccinated and you still contract COVID? What if you're not vaccinated, like my friend down in Georgia, not only he was not vaccinated, 74 years old, and got Regeneron within 24 hours, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, he's fine. And then his wife got it. And now, thankfully, she took the same protocol. She's fine. Then his son got it. And guess what? He's so, according to all reports I recently got, he's fine. And his daughter got it. They're, in, I believe, in their 30s. And it's an older friend of mine, somebody I'm very fond of. And anyway, um, I'm very appreciative of... 
of Dr. Freed and, and other friends in the medical community that I've called upon to to voluntarily. I mean, I'm not paying them. I just say, can you do me a favor? And every time I've called Dr. Fareed, and I know he works in, in, in conjunction with Dr. Brian Tyson, these guys are, they, they move heaven and earth to help people. If they start charging me, I promise you I'll be bankrupt because I'm an annoying pain in the ass when it comes to this. It's just if somebody in my life, it, it's, it's shocking to me how many people do not know about therapeutics. All right, hence where we're going this whole hour. We're going to take your calls. What if either you're unvaccinated or you're a breakthrough case? What is the best therapeutics? Now, these are guys on the front line. This is not we're telling you what to do. This is informational for you. You ultimately have to make up your own mind. But they're going to give you their experience. Put it in your, your knowledge bank on COVID-19 and ultimately, it's up to you and your doctor what you're going to decide to do. They're giving you their expert medical opinion, being on the front lines of this from day one, unlike, say, flip-flop Fauci. Anyway, we welcome back Dr. Brian Tyson, board-certified family medicine, 14 years experience in the ER, his hospital medical experience at uh, Valley Urgent Care in, in El Centro, California, very busy place. He's treated, I think, about 6,000 uh, cases of COVID with therapeutics. In other words, they were more active and involved in proactive medicine versus, for example, many, many places in New York, you go into the emergency room, you test positive for COVID, and they say if your temperature goes up, uh, take two extra strength Tylenol, monitor your oxygen, and if it goes to 90 or below, usually in day six, seven, eight, or nine, um, yeah, then go to the emergency room, but by that time, the damage to your lungs is done. I, I can't believe it, actually. Knowing what we now know, we're way beyond that. And Dr. George Fareed, uh, by the way, medical doctor, Harvard Medical School. Uh, and anyway, they're, they're also good friends, and they've treated thousands of COVID patients between them both. Thank you both for doing this hour with us, uh, Dr. Tyson, Dr. Fareed. Thank you Thank very you, much. Sean, for having us. Thank you. Yes, Thank you for right. having us. We're happy to. So, so I've been telling my audience to call. They are on the lines. I'm going to let you guys, I'll ask people, just ask your question. They'll give you quick answers. We'll try and get as many people in as we can for the hour. Kelly in Oklahoma, you're on with Dr. Tyson and Dr. Fareed. Hi, Sean. Hi. Thanks for calling. Hi. Thank, thanks for taking my call. I actually have a couple of questions. The first question is, is I had COVID back uh, at, right after Thanksgiving of 2020, and since since Thanksgiving and into December, I have had what I've had two doctors call, call tell me is a COVID stomach where I have had some long-term effects with it. And my question on that is what studies are being done to try to treat patients, people that have had COVID? And are there any studies out there about this? Or what can I do? What treatments can I do to try to get some help with my stomach? I've had every test that they can do on my stomach, and I've had the endoscope and a colonoscopy, and all they can tell me is I have a COVID stomach, and it has not gotten any better. Could I make okay. one quick recommendation to George Freed here? It's a very good question, Kelly. I know Brian will have something to add, but one of our colleagues in battle on the front lines is an amazing gastroenterologist, um, Sabine Hazen. 
and she's the world we're becoming the world expert on what's called the microbiome, and that's the flora that you have in your intestinal system. And it's and she there is a COVID gastro gastri, gastritis or, or intestinal infection that disrupts the intestinal immunity. Many don't really think of that because it's so much a respiratory illness. But one of the tests that they should do at some point, and you may have to go to her in in Malibu Ventura Clinic. Uh, It's a famous clinic that she has. And they do what's called the microbiome, and they find the change in the flora that may have occurred because of the COVID if it was untreated. Our early treatment prevents this from happening, but uh, that can be corrected by readjusting the flora in your intestinal system. Dr. Tyson? Absolutely. I was actually going to make the same recommendation. Sabine's doing um, some amazing work right now on uh, the GIA intestinal biome. I hope that that take care of your question, Kelly. Does that help you? Yes. Well, I had one more question. I have had two different doctors recommend recommend to me not to get the vaccine because they're thinking I still have some natural immunity to COVID. And I, one of my doctors actually had two patients. He said not to get, get the, to get the vaccine and they did and they died. So, you know, my question is, what do I do? Well, well Cleveland, you know, can I just add one thing myself? The Cleveland Clinic said if you have natural immunity, you don't need any vaccine. Am I wrong, Dr. Farid? No, no, you're absolutely right, and I know Brian will comment on that. We see uh, many adverse reactions in the patients that have the natural immunity. The natural immunity is much more elaborate and, and beneficial and, and will be lifelong probably now, but it certainly is durable for a year and definitely uh, we think now potentially lifelong for COVID-19. So uh, we, we, I specifically tell my patients not to get vaccinated if they've recovered from the natural infection. Okay, thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, well, we appreciate it. Thank you. Quick break, we'll come back. More your calls as we discuss, okay, breakthrough cases or, or therapeutics. If you get the, the new Delta variant or COVID-19, whatever variant you might get, uh, more with Dr. Brian Tyson, more with Dr. George Fareed. Uh, they've been on the front lines from day one. All right, as we continue with Dr. Brian Tyson, Dr. George Fareed, specifically we're talking about breakthrough cases, therapeutics for people contracting either the Delta variant or any version of COVID, informational, so you can discuss with your own doctor, doctor and make the most informed decision possible for you. Mike is in California. Mike, welcome. You're on with Dr. Farid and Dr. Uh, Brian Tyson. Thanks for joining us. How you doing, Sean? I'm doing good. Um, my question is, um, these reinfections that are happening that, of people that are already vaccinated. Mike, your phone is, sounds like a, a Sports Illustrated football phone. Hang on, we'll call you back. Uh, Barb is in Florida. Barb, you're on with Dr. Brian Tyson and Dr. George Farid. Uh, hi, Sean. Thanks for having me on. Um, both, I have a special needs son with a neurological disorder. Both of us have had adverse reactions to the flu shots. He's had adverse reactions to most of his childhood uh, vaccines, which his seizures started after his 18 month shot. Um, our, our primary care, it's like it's up to us, but with all the adverse reactions, I am concerned with his seizures with this mRNA vaccine. Um, and also the shaming that's going along with this 
it has been very hard. I'm his legal guardian, and I don't know what to do. Uh, so take, let me, no, let no me one can answer. <laughs> yeah, let me take this one. I also have a special needs child, so I hear what you're saying. Um, and I, I, we will not be vaccinating my, my kid either. But I will say prophylaxis will be the best bet for you at this point. Um, and prophylaxis, uh, how old is he or she? He's 23. Yeah, so 23, I would use ivermectin for prophylaxis according to the Math Plus protocol from the FLCC guidelines. Okay, can I, can I want to write that down? The FLCC guidelines? Uh-huh, that's Dr. Corey's group. Um, it's the Math Plus protocol for ivermectin. Okay, because... And we're not, and we're not so sure he didn't have it uh, last year in February, very end of February, beginning of March. He ended up in the hospital. He's had aspiration pneumonia several times. Okay. We do have a C CP vest for him that we are now giving to him every day. Yeah. So you um, can check. You could check a T cell test. There's an online test you order and you take it to uh, LabCorp. It's called tdetect.com. You order that test, uh-huh, t-detect.com. You order that test from them, they'll send it to you, and that test for T-cells, that's your long-term immunity. It's not like the antibody test that goes away in, you know, two to three months after exposure. The, the T-cell test is lifelong, and that's what Dr. Fareed was alluding to with lifelong immunity after being infected with COVID. Um, so that goes along with the Israeli study as well that's showing uh, those who've had COVID are not getting reinfected. Well, I preach because that, that's yes. even though I live in Florida in their 2021 bill that says no passport, there is a section that says they can mandate vaccines and it's scaring the heck out of me. Yeah. So anyone with, with, with adverse reactions to vaccines should automatically be taken out of that anyway, no matter what. There's a medical precedent that says if you have a reaction to vaccines to begin with, um, and you should not be then mandated to get any vaccines at that point, other than that whatever your doctor determines safe for your child. I hope that helps, Barb. Um, all right, so we're going to continue. Uh, specifically, with now everyone's heard everything they want to hear probably about the vaccines over and over again, now with breakthrough cases, and, and those that decided for whatever reason in consultation with their doctors to go unvaccinated. What if you, what if you get COVID now? What if you get the Delta variant? What are the therapeutics? Uh, more with Dr. Brian Tyson, Dr. George Fareed. Uh, we'll do it for the full hour. Um, so it's informational for you. So you can make your own decisions in consultation with your own doctors. Um, but information, I'm shocked how many people don't even know what Regeneron is. I'm shocked. Or haven't heard of ivermectin. That shocks me. But, you know, that's why I spend a lot of time helping people when I hear, hear about cases. Quick break. Right back. All right. 25 to the top of the hour. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program where we're taking your calls for the hour. Uh, two doctors that have been on the front line of COVID-19 from day one. They've successfully treated uh, thousands of, of patients, collaborate, collaborate daily almost, and they are big believers in proactive medicine, meaning therapeutics taken immediately, not waiting like others. You know, there, there are states I can tell you, like in New York, I knew so many people that were told, oh, you tested positive, go home. And if your temperature goes up, um, take two Tylenol. If your oxygen level goes 90 or below, you might want to run to the emergency room. 
But my experience has been, and my reading has shown me, that usually the lungs get attacked by usually day 7 through 10. That's on average. There are, there are anomalies to that, and I'm not a doctor, not playing one on, on radio or TV. Um, but this is informational so you can make the right decision in consultation with your doctor, taking into account your unique medical condition and, and medical history. And Dr. Farid, uh, George Farid, Harvard Medical School, Dr. Brian Tyson, board certified family medicine. Um, both these guys have been on the front line since day one and big believers in therapeutics, Regeneron, Ivermectin. And, and yeah, uh, Donald Trump was not wrong. We have enough studies now that showed, yeah, taken early hydroxychloroquine. Yeah, it does help mitigate effects 84% of the time in one study. Then you have the Henry Ford study. There's a number of them. And then the two studies that were negative towards HCQ, yeah, they had to rescind them from uh, prestigious medical journals. Go figure, right? Anyway, we're taking your calls, uh, questions. Now that we have breakthrough cases, the Delta variant, uh, unvaccinated, or you were vaccinated, and it's a breakthrough case, what, what informationally, what can you learn from them? They have a lot to tell. Um, Rich is in Pennsylvania. Next, you're on with Dr. Brian Tyson and Dr. George Farid. Thanks for calling. Yes, sir. How are you doing, Sean? I'm good, sir. Glad you called. Thank you. Thank you very much. Sean, I did have some side effects from the vaccine. I had it May 19th, and May 24th was when everything started. I started with uh, inflammation, joint soreness from head to toe. And I got, you know, I had blood work done, which showed negative of everything, lupus, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, and my, my sed rate was, was very high. And uh, anyway, how long do these effects go on for? Is, is there any answer to that, is, or is there any solution to it? My doctor gave me pregnizone, which has helped, but... You know, zone to me, and I've taken it many times when I'm on the road to reduce inflammation in my vocal cords so I can stay on the road and speak. It's a horrible medicine. I hate it. You get right, bloated. You get right. hungry. You just can't sleep. And so I, I didn't like it at all, but I'm not telling you what to do. Dr. Tyson, let's, let's start with you. Uh, so, yeah, so what we're seeing is uh, hydroxychloroquine actually will work uh, in these cases because it's an anti-inflammatory uh, that we use with rheumatoid arthritis and lupus a lot. So I would recommend trying to get on a 200 milligram twice a day tablet regimen um, until the symptoms resolve and that ESR starts to come down. Uh, what sounds like is it's an autoimmune or uh, an antibody reaction to the vaccine. Um, and we've been using that also with Singular, uh, 10 milligrams at night, um, and even uh, three days of ivermectin initially to get things going. Um, and that seems to be uh, reducing the inflammatory response in these cases. Dr. Farid, people to experience this. Uh, go, I'm sorry. What, what did you What did you ask, Rich? Is this common in people to to be experiencing these troubles? Yes, it's we're seeing. Common. We are seeing it more often. We are seeing it more often. We, we see it. I would agree with him. I, what's uh, the situation is that the vaccine produces the spike protein that uh, may move around in the body, may move into the joints, 
and uh, or do what uh, Brian said, cause an autoimmune reaction, but it could actually be a direct uh, toxic effect of this spike protein, which is very unfortunate uh, that, that that can happen. Uh, and that uh, creates uh, toxicity and microvascular uh, I- issues. But um, I would uh, agree with what Brian recommended. I think the other agent that could uh, be used would be uh, is colchicine, that, uh, and that's what we're using. It's almost like you're having COVID-19, unfortunately. And uh, so Brian is mentioning basically the heart of our treatment for COVID-19, which is, is hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. And in, in patients where we intensify in COVID-19, we, uh, we treat with co- colchicine, a classic medicine that's used for gout, actually. But it, it, can, it has a special type of anti-inflammatory action that in, in a, a randomized controlled trial was shown to be very efficacious in COVID-19. So that's why it's part of our protocol for the latter part of the protocol if it's necessary to intensify. And then with regard to uh, the um, matter of, well, I guess you didn't ask a question about, uh, did you have COVID-19 at one point? I was at- I, I believe I did in the early months of, you know, the, the, oh, the virus okay. starting. Okay. Well, in any case, the uh, adverse effects can be a little more accentuated if you've recovered from COVID-19. That's one reason why I specifically recommend against getting immunized if you definitely recovered from the natural infection. Right. right. Th- thanks for the call, Rich. Um, Dr. Fareed, let me ask you one thing, because the family that you were helping down in Georgia, and I'm very grateful for your help that I know, yeah, and they were unvaccinated, and they were older. I was very concerned. Um you 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 said something at one point that and i want to emphasize this as it relates to the monoclonal you know cocktail known as regeneron although in fairness eli Lilly has a a brand name uh, as well uh, as i'm told as i've read it seems to be yes. as, as effective yes, but you said right. that that people have a right to it and if you go into a hospital you have a right to ask for that therapeutic Am I, and did I hear you right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. If if you're going to be treated as an outpatient, in other words, if you're not qualifying for admission to the hospital because of other uh, findings, but uh, it's it's the approval and the indications are. If Brian may comment on this, but I believe it's a, a if individuals are older than 21 now, it's or younger people at least that are symptomatic and that are have a positive test. And they and that's uh, and that's what they should follow. So uh, I, I in that very nice family in Georgia, this Delta variant spreads like wildfire, and um, <clears throat> very contagious. Um, the, uh, the the older members of my husband and and wife have have received the Regeneron infusion, antibody infusion, and they they're doing very well. The younger ones, uh, I may have uh, received it. I don't know for sure yet, but they're doing very I, well. I, they on did our not oral, because it doesn't meet know. meet the age requirement, uh, as I understand. But, I and I think the hospitals are very fine hospitals. So I don't want to say anything no, no. derogatory yeah, absolutely uh, it should be available for younger people too but it, regardless uh, the the oral uh, protocol that that's uh, one that we use for 10 months without monoclonals is very effective 
So that's that's good, and they're doing very well. I, I also thank you for including me last night on your TV show. Uh, it's a great honor. You're, you're doing such a great job to get word out and uh, overcome fear. Um, and I, I just want to say one thing that Nicole brought up, which I, she's a great uh, doctor to be a, a consulting on on Fox. Uh, she brought up this issue of uh, vaccinations and all, and the, the, we, vaccinations have produced, my position is, and I think Brian shares this, that they've produced the variants because they grow, they mutate to avoid the antibodies that are created. Uh, I, we're seeing breakthrough infections and, and new infections, both pretty much equally in vaccinated and unvaccinated, and I'm not so sure that the vaccinated patients do so much better than the unvaccinated at this with this variant. I think the variants may be a little weaker in their ability to create all the havoc in the lungs. So that remains to be determined. And because of that, uh, the we need to use early treatment in, in both categories of people. But I'm not so sure yet that, and maybe Brian would comment on this, that the unvaccinated are the ones that are going to end up in the ICU at this time with the Delta variant. Brian, do you have any comment on that? Well, uh, what we're seeing here is honestly the most more severe cases we're seeing with the vaccinated. Um, I've got a 67-year-old gentleman right now that we've been treating for a few days now. Uh, got both his Pfizer vaccines in uh, February and March, coming in with a pulse ox 84% on room air, which is extremely horrible. Chest x-ray is horrible. Um, we had to put him on home oxygen. We put him on treatment uh, with um, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin. We used doxycycline with him because of his age uh, and his hypertension. Uh, the nutraceuticals, which we use, are zinc, vitamin C, D3, N-acetylcysteine, or NAC, which is becoming harder and harder to get because the FDA seems to be playing a game with that with that nutraceutical. Um, we got him on steroids. Uh, we gave him uh, some Decadron in the in-office. We've given him inhaled budesonide at home, um, and he's still struggling. Aspirin. Uh, we're, we're doing uh, aspirin 325, uh, singular at night. And um, he's still struggling. Great. Yeah, he's still struggling a little bit. He may have to be hospitalized. Uh, oh, jeez. Yeah, um, we've um, got him off oxygen at this point, and we're going to be following him up today. But uh, by no means is is the vaccinated versus unvaccinated discussion. It should not be even an issue at this point. Um, 16.5% of our hospitalizations between June and July out here in the Imperial County we're in the vaccinated group, and that's going higher. Um, we're seeing about 50%, 50-50 in the, in the clinic, positives, uh, both vaccinated, unvaccinated. Uh, if you look at Israel, they're seeing 80% of their cases are in the vaccinated group. UK is now up to 60% of their new cases are in the vaccinated group. So um, clearly the, the vaccine has lost its uh, efficiency as far as protection, uh, severity of illness across the board, I think in both cases, uh, vaccinated and unvaccinated, still seems to be a lot less than what we were seeing definitely in, in December and January, um, although there are some severe cases still breaking through, uh, but those, in, in, in my view, seem to be more in the vaccinated group, not the unvaccinated group. Um, to clarify that a little bit further, majority of these infections are also in the younger 
We're seeing more kids, uh, more adolescents, and I think that has to do with being locked down in school and not being able to go back to school. So now the young kids are getting infected, which should have been the opposite of what we should have done from the very beginning. We should let the kids go back to school, let them get the alpha variant, let them bring on the herd immunity, and then we wouldn't be in the position we are right now with the Delta variant. Man, this just gets so complicated on so many different levels. Um, and it's, you know, but what works is what matters. And this is why I keep saying, take it seriously. Research, research, research. Look at your own condition. Look, at it's, you know, I'm trying to give the best advice I can. Quick break. More of your calls for Dr. Brian Tyson and, and Dr. George Fareed. 800-941-SHAWN is our number. All right, News Roundup Information Overload Hour. A few more questions that we have for Dr. Brian Tyson, Dr. George Fareed about breakthrough cases of, of COVID-19, even in fully vaccinated people and, and those that, that still contract COVID, maybe not vaccinated. You know, what are the therapeutics? I think there's been far too little discussion on all of this as we continue with them. Can I ask you both that question? I'm not a doctor. I didn't go to Harvard, Dr. Fareed. I didn't go to medical school, do a residency or internship, Dr. Tyson. I'm trying to, I love my audience, and I want to give them the best information I can, which is why I invite experts like you on, and, and even people, doctors that I don't agree with, but I, I've been pressured again and again to tell people what to do, and I refuse to do that. Am I right, or am I wrong, or, you know? You're, you're, you're right, Sean, and let me, let me give you, um, there, the American Academy of Physicians and Surgeons published a home care COVID kit that your audience can go to aaps.org, download that home COVID treatment kit, and it tells them everything that they're going to need to talk to their doctor about. I think it's one of the biggest things that uh, our group with George uh, and Peter McCullough uh, and Harvey and everybody in our COVID-19 task force has put together that is a huge benefit to the public. If we can get that out and then they can bring that to their doctors and they can talk to them about early treatment. Early treatment is not just hydroxychloroquine. Early treatment is not just ivermectin. It's a combination of drugs that we've been using for years and years and years to treat inflammation, respiratory problems, blood clot problems, viral illnesses, uh, pneumonias, pneumonia prevention, um, everything that if you were to get sick before COVID, a lot of these same treatments we would be using. Um, we did find the additional benefit from using hydroxychloroquine, uh, but that study came out in 2005, um, and that was through the NIH. Uh, they did the study that showed chloroquine was a potent inhibitor of SARS coronavirus for both infection and spread. Um, got politicized, and, and, doctor. That's what happened. Yeah. And, and add, by the and, way, add to that now, now I think one of the most underutilized therapeutics has been Regeneron. Am I wrong? No, you're not. And it's funny because I tell patients and Fareed tells patients all the time, the minute you get positive, I tell them, go to the ER and get Regeneron right away. Go right now. And a lot of the times they go and the ERs won't give it to them or they say they don't have it. It's not available, which I, I find amazing because we've been, we've been touting all of these, uh, you know, emergency use authorization, this and everything. But the one that's being underutilized and, 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 and losing its, shelf life is Regeneron. 
I asked the state of California, Sean, to, to give me Regeneron for my urgent care because we do IV therapeutics here. And I could not for two months, I still cannot get that medication to even give out my urgent care. I, I, I can't even begin to describe this. And on top of that, by the way, all the hundreds of thousands of people not being tested across the border. And, and the Blaze had an article today that, oh, illegal immigrants now overwhelming the border. They're just processed and then pretty much given bus tickets to, quote, wherever they want to go. Not being tested. Uh, no no vaccine mandate for, for the hundreds of thousands. Uh, guys, you, you've been, uh, first, thank you for all you do every day. You're putting your own lives at risk every day. Secondly, for the for the help you've given me and so many people that I know that that don't know about these things, and uh, it's extremely educational. Again, I urge people to you know do a lot of research, take it seriously, and and talk to their own doctors. And and the fact that you're so invested in this is you know I just take a bow because. You're putting yourself on the front lines of, and really are true heroes in all of this, and I appreciate you taking the time to spend with our audience today. Thank you both. You're welcome, Sean. Remember that we're 20 miles from the border here in Mexicali, so we're seeing what you're seeing in Texas and all throughout the border. So we're getting a lot of our cases also because the they're not being screened and uh, getting early treatment if they need it um, in uh, of the immigrants. Unbelievable. That's unforgivable. We'll have you back, both of you. Thank you, uh, Dr. Tyson. Thank you, uh, Dr. Fareed. Um, we appreciate it. 800-941-SEAN is a number you, if you want to be a part of the program. Um, let's say hi to Brett is in Alabama. What's up, Brett? How are you? Glad you called. I'm good. How about you, Sean? War Eagle or Roll Tide? Just which one? War Eagle. <laughs> wow. Uh, how do you go against Nick Saban? I mean, since Bear Bryant, has there ever been a better college football coach ever? Um, you know what? He's pretty good, and I have a lot of respect for his program. But I, <laughs> no, he's more than Auburn pretty good. And as an as a Auburn fan, you're probably pissed <laughs> off. Don't lie. <laughs> no, nah, that's all right. We, we got a new coach. We'll see how he treats us. All right. Let's see what happens. What's on your mind today? I've been taking a summer class at a community college this summer, and our professor has been uh, shaming and pressuring and basically harassing us to get the vaccine. And I'm thinking, you know, if this is just community college, I can only imagine these, you know, a bigger four-year school with much more uh, aggressively liberal professors. And I'm kind of wondering, you know, what do we, how do you think we respond to that? How do we, uh, to as someone, you know, I, I flipped up and told her, hey, I don't, I don't, I haven't taken the vaccine. And she's been, you know, having fun with that ever since. <laughs> you know, look, I, 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 there's two choices that people have, especially kids. What year of college you in? My fourth year. Okay. You know what you need? You need to get the hell out of there and get into the real world. I mean, you need a degree. Maybe. I agree. <laughs> so you have two choices. Now you can argue with your professor and you can battle with your professor. I did this once at NYU. Guy said he was a communist. I love Ronald Reagan and, and almost every class it was a battle it was like you know it was a big lecture hall it almost always became a battle between me and him i ended up getting an a on the midterm and ended up with a c c plus as my final grade i was, it was the lowest grade i ever got in college i was a dean's list student often so anyway the the long and short of it is you can decide with honor I'm just not, I'll give them back and regurgitate whatever I need to give back because I want to maybe go to get in a master's program 
or get into medical school or law school down the line, and I need the best GPA I can get. Or you can roll the dice, risk arguing with the guy because you don't really give a rip. You're, you're ready to get into the real world, and, and you're not look, looking to further your education. That That's entirely up to you. But if you just decide to go along and get along, as long as you know the truth and you know it's indoctrination and you know it's a bunch of bull, I wouldn't even bother with it. You don't have to be indoctrinated by anybody. You always want to remain true to who you are. But sometimes it's just it just you play the game so you can get to the next stage in life. And if you have a, a goal or an ambition in another profession, you know, it's not worth losing your chance of getting in. It's so competitive to get into law school or into a master's program or medical school. It's just too hard. So you, you can't risk it at that point. As long as you know you're not as long as you know what you're doing. It's there's not really any shame in it. In my view, it's to me, the shame and the sadness of it is they really don't want freedom of expression, do they? They can't tolerate they, alternate they viewpoints. That's the hard part. That's correct, Sean. So, I you know, it. I, I and I've, I've given this advice advice for years to kids. I get asked the question often. What do I do? And I'm like, here's your choices. You know, what are your what are your career goals? Because if you want to get into a tough law school, medical school, master's program, you know, you got to play the game sometimes. But then when you get into real life, get into an environment where you can always be yourself, honest and truthful. Okay? Yes, sir. All right, 800-941-SEAN. Russ, Virginia, next Sean Hannity Show. Russ, how are you? Hey, Sean. Yes, sir. Glad you called. Yeah, thanks. Um, when you had the docs on, I wanted them to address the fact that there's probably 20, 10 to 20 percent of the population do not like getting shots. They're not anti-vaxxers. They just don't go even go to the doctor because they're afraid they may get one. And I have type 1 diabetes, so I've taken years and years of shots with a very small, fine-point needle. But when I see on TV every day, several times a day, they're sticking people in the arm with looks like a one-and-a-half to two-inch needle, they must be freaking those people out. And you, you know there's you say, a condition. It actually impacts, because I have a, a friend that has this, vasal vagal. If you go right. to take their blood or give them a shot, if, if they're not lying down horizontal, they pass out. <laughs> I mean, it just their blood pressure just drops to zero. Um, yeah. It's a very real fear. Agreed. Um, I understand it. It's, you know, it's just one of those things. But you're raising a good point. And uh, there might be some of that. Uh, the only thing I would I, I, the only thing I would say is, look, there's some things in life. Sometimes you just got to suck it up. And if you really believe that's the right course for you after you do your research, take into account your unique medical history and current condition and talk to your doctors if that's what you decide you know you just you're just gonna have to go through a day of, of just you know probably emotional hell because i know i know that is hard for people you know there's this did you find this story about this olympian and then there was the tennis player what was the the tennis player she withdrew she didn't want to do press conferences i i can't um do you remember the name jc Owen? i know you know osaka right and i watched this she's a young woman and I really felt badly for her because I think the fear of this is real. I don't think she's faking it. She's, she's a champion. She she beat, you know, Serena Williams. No easy task. I think it was 120 some odd, you know, big championships. Um, And a lot of people have been commenting on uh, Simone Biles, the, the Olympian, champion Olympian. And, you know, I'm just really believing her. That, that she's struggling 
emotionally and that she doesn't feel on top of her game and, and ready to compete. Um, I don't know why people are so harsh and so judgmental myself. Does that make sense to you? I mean, you right. don't but, know but what people us. are going through sometimes. You don't know what their their life experience has been. You don't know yeah. why they feel this. Yeah, especially for a phobia like claustrophobia or fear sure. of heights. The fear of needles is real. And like, yeah, as you say, talk to their doctors because at their doctor or the clinics, if they let them know ahead of time, they may give them a private room or a screen, be, give them some privacy. They may let them lay down. There's medications they can take before the injection. There's there's anti uh, anti anxiety well, medicines or Linda's yeah, well, ha- you know really CBD helps. pills that she swears about when she takes too late in the day. But no, um, I don't know. Maybe you know there there are mental illnesses that are very real for people, and I'm kind of shocked. You know that, and some are saying it very nicely, but others are being just jackasses as usual. And I, I, I don't know. I, you know, my kids are both athletes. I've seen the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. And let me tell you something. You're putting yourself out there, and it's it's not easy. The amount of pressure on a tennis court, the amount of pressure on one of those balance beams. I, I can't imagine how hard that is for people. And a lot of a lot of these individual sports, in particular, there is a a mental component mental toughness a mental focus and maybe you're not at your best at any given time and that impacts your performance anyway i appreciate the call i'm curious linda what do you think about that do you agree with me on this or no yeah i always agree with you you know that boss no you don't always agree with me jason i'm seeing you (laughs) shaking your head i'm not sure i sense some skepticism here no i i I don't understand the harsh criticism against against both i mean mental illness is more and more and more athletes in all sports. It's not just the, it's not just tennis or the gymnastics. It's football players, hockey players. All of them are going through it. And it's coming to light because people are coming forward. They're not afraid to, to come forward now. And it's, it's, I think it's commendable. I, I, I and you know something, maybe, maybe 23. I mean, she's such a, a gifted, talented athlete. Well, both, both these young women are talented athletes. I mean, could you just imagine the pressure at Wimbledon, the U.S. Open, the Australian Open, the French Open? You know, I mean, the world is watching the finals or the pressure of being on that balance beam and and the gymnastics part of it, the mat part of it. Uh, I, I it's it's precision and, and skill and professionalism and and decades of building up your skill. Even if you have the most natural talent, you still have to develop that talent to get to this level. And, and, and consider also, if you're playing a sport like football or hockey, if your mind's not in it, it's dangerous. Well, that too. But, you know, also in that case, you, you know, your team can carry you a little bit too. They can help you some. But you still got to do your job. I mean, for any team to be successful, every part has to, you know, work together. Um, I just, I don't like the harshness of it myself. I, I find it. I don't, and I've, and I know some people that have made some of these comments. I'm like, really? I'm like, you don't have any sympathy towards the fact that this might be a, a real problem, anxiety, difficulty, challenge. I could tell you right now, but my advice, for example, to this great young tennis player, Osaka, would be go do a Bill Belichick press conference. Ask Bill Belichick, what do you think of the game? Uh, I see we can improve. 
Uh, next question. Uh, well, where you stand on the quarterback situation, we'll figure that out in the days to come. Just doesn't answer any questions and walks away. Frustrates the hell out of the media. Quick break, right back. All right, 25 to the uh, top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program now. I've gone over, gone in great specificity and great detail what's going on in Washington uh, with this infrastructure bill. $1.2 trillion, whatever it is. You know, it's just insane amounts of money. And the idea that Republicans are going along with the sham is really infuriating to me because if you look at it, and Schumer's saying it publicly, that this is a two-part process. And once they get Republicans to go along with infrastructure, more traditional, but still not everything that you would consider infrastructure, you know, roads, bridges, and tunnels, that is historically the definition of infrastructure, then he's going to come in right behind it with the when you add the 600 billion it's 4.1 trillion dollars and that is what they're calling human infrastructure child care is not infrastructure the new green deal pat repackaged as human infrastructure doesn't fly with me by the way i my understanding is and i read today that they have buried deep inside this very long written three that nearly three thousand page bill uh, yeah, they're going to have a mileage usage tax. Yeah, okay. Well, what does that mean? They don't want any cars on the road. Who's that going to impact the most? Hardworking Americans. You listen to Congresswoman Omar and Congresswoman, the real Speaker of the House, Pelosi, Speaker in name only, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Listen to what they are saying and the pressure they are putting on both the Senate and the House. They want it all now. Listen. Your take on this bipartisan deal. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really important for us to, to remember that we've laid out as members of the Progressive Caucus. As you know, I serve as the whip. We've whipped on this. There is no path forward for a bipartisan bill that doesn't move uh, simultaneously with the reconciliation bill. And I know that, you know, our colleagues on the other side um, in on the Senate uh fully understand that and lobbying, you know, these two senators to essentially, um, as AOC was saying, to sink uh, these bills that are a priority for Democrats. Now, I know the infrastructure uh, deal that they're talking about and Manchin said they're going to introduce it today. They're going to bring out the language is, is obviously a lot smaller than you wanted, a lot smaller than a lot of your fellow progressives wanted. It still does include things that you like including funding for electric vehicle charging stations, public transit, clean water systems, broadband, more. When it comes before the House, as it looks like will happen, will you vote for it? Uh, it has to, we, have to hold up to that, we have to hold on to that bargain. If there is not a reconciliation bill in the House, and if the Senate does not pass the reconciliation bill, we will uphold our end of the bargain and not pass the bipartisan bill until we get all of these investments in. All right, so just to repeat, that Republicans, in my opinion, very naively, stupidly, very weak, they're going to go along with the so-called bipartisan infrastructure bill. But remember, Chuck Schumer still has one shot at the reconciliation process, which means you don't need cloture, you don't need 60 votes, you don't need a single Republican, and guess what? They will ram it down America's throat, kind of like what they did with Obamacare. Uh, Senator Mike Lee is here to weigh in on all of this. Am I describing this accurately, Senator? If I get it wrong, please correct me. 
Yeah, look, I, I wish we were in a different place than we are. But the, the fact is we're uh, negotiating against ourselves, as it were. Uh, look, we've, we, we've had this uh, group of people in the Senate that's been negotiating and ironing out this legislative proposal over the last four months. It's taken them four months. They've been talking about it. They've been telling us for months. Uh, any day now, we'll have a proposal for you. We finally saw it for the first time Sunday night. I mean, pretty late in the day, like 9 or 10 o'clock at night. I was on the Senate floor when I first got it. it turns out it's 2,702 pages long. Now, Sean, a 2,700-page bill it does not read like a fast-paced novel. It takes some time to digest this. What I find most insulting about this, aside from the fact that it spends money we don't have and will tend to inflate the dollar even more, us robbing from the poor to pay for the wealthy and well-connected interests who will become even wealthier off of this. But I find it doubly insulting when they do that and then expect us to read, amend, negotiate, and pass a bill in four days that it took them four months to develop. That's wrong. And, and every American should be concerned about any legislative process that spends their money and that of their yet unborn children in that way that quickly without any review. Well, you got to understand, Senator, you got to pass the bill to find out what's in the bill. Isn't that the, the old way of doing things once again and, and why Republicans are going along with it? Actually, I found the exact page. You're right. The one I got was 2,702 pages, um, but they have a, a pilot program for national motor vehicle per mile user fee. Does that not sound like a long-term yeah. plan to make it inex uh, to, too expensive for some people in America to drive a car? Because that's how I interpret it. Yeah, yeah look, Sean, if you develop a pilot program, you're, you're, you're calling it a pilot program for a reason. You're sending a pilot in to experiment, uh, to test it out, to see if it works with the hope and the expectation that you'll eventually turn it into a full-scale operating model. It's not something the American people want. If there's one thing they don't like, it's mixing two things they already hate, taxes and excessive government intrusion into things that are none of the government's darn business. That makes this particularly unsettling. Let me, you know, I'm I'm looking at this now. It's interesting because the way Schumer's been speaking, he's acting like this is a done deal. We're going to pass the bipartisan bill, then we're going to move directly on to the reconciliation process. My question to you is: Are both of these really done deals? Because I know how things get in August as you head into your August recess. Frankly, I wouldn't mind if you took off all 365 or 66 days a year, because I think it would cost us a lot less money, except for funding the military, of course, and, and other important, you know, important programs. But putting that aside, um, is it a done deal? Yeah. So as for the uh, $3.5 trillion inflation bomb that the Democrats have ready for us, uh, the Green New Deal masquerading as infrastructure or whatever it is that they're calling it from one day to the next. Yeah, that one is one that they expect to be able to pass with every Democrat voting for it, every Republican voting against it, and Vice President Harris coming to the rescue to break the tie. So that one is expected to pass on a party-line vote. Even uh, Manchin, the, the, even Cinema, no hope there at all? Even Manchin and Cinema, And, you know, I, I, I wish... That, that were not the case. I wish that they were not planning to vote for it. But it seems to me that um, if, if we weren't passing this, it might be harder for them to vote for that. It might be harder for them to vote for their reconciliation bill if they weren't doing that, which is one of the many reasons why I wish we weren't doing this bipartisan deal. 
Nonetheless, we examined the bipartisan deal on its own merits, and the bipartisan deal spends $1.2 trillion. It spends about $700 billion that we were already planning to spend, or that based on past practice, you would expect Congress to spend on federal infrastructure, and then adds another $550 billion on top of it. Now, that's real money, Sean, and we don't have that money. They claim that it's paid for, but when you look at the pay-fors, uh, uh, at least half of them don't add up. At least half of them are, are not really paid for. So we're adding a considerable amount of money to the national debt at a time when the American people can least afford it, at a time when this really ends up impacting the prices people pay for everything from groceries to gasoline to rent and mortgage and everything else. And this, too, is going to make infrastructure more costly and less efficient because we're making so much of it federal when a lot of it should be done at the state and local level. All right, let me move on and ask you about other important issues. One of the things that has been most concerning to me and and certainly this audience is the the attempts at the biggest power grab by any political party in history. That would include H.R. 1, S.R. 1, that would eliminate voter ID, no signature verification, uh, no integrity in future elections, widespread mail-in balloting, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, then eliminating the legislative filibuster. Now, both Manchin and Cinema said they would not go along with that. I'm not so sure. Over time, Chuck Schumer, the caucus, pressuring them, who knows, um, then, of course, we've got the plan to stack the courts. Then there's talk of D.C. and Puerto Rico statehood. Do you see any of those things coming to life and getting done? Yeah, the short answer to your question is that the list of horribles that you've mentioned there would probably all come to pass if they nuke the legislative filibuster. And if they don't nuke the legislative filibuster, it's going to be very difficult to do any of those things. It's one of the reasons why it's so important that we keep it and why we shouldn't abandon it. it Maybe the only thing standing between us and a complete federalization of election law, contrary to the plain command of the Constitution, to an act of Congress that would tell the American people that they may not, through their duly elected state governments, uh, decide things like that felons can't vote in elections or that dead people have to have their names removed from election rosters once they've died. These are all things that would come about in one way or another uh, with S1, HR1. And with S1, it would also add the the unholy uh, task of federal financing of campaigns. Many of my colleagues have commented that in their race, based on the formula built into this legislation, their own campaign would have received $40, $50 million from the federal government to run their campaign. Nobody wants that. The American people don't want that. And worst of all, Sean, we've all seen what it looks like in countries where the government decides who's on the ballot, where the government decides who's a legitimate candidate and who isn't. That only ends in tears and worse. Explain to me this this passion, this drive. I, I think I'm one of the few that have pointed out that I believe now the Department of Justice under Joe Biden has been weaponized, as evidenced by them attacking the the georgia law the new voting law that allows 17 days of in-person early voting it uh, provides for a drop box in every every voting precinct uh and district um it allows you know you don't need an excuse to get a mail-in ballot um you know delaware there's no early in-person voting there's no no drop boxes anywhere you needed an excuse to vote by mail or absentee 
Some of the most restrictive laws in the country. Joe Biden never lifted a finger to change those laws for the 5,000 years he served Delaware. And yet his Department of Justice now is going after Georgia, but not Joe's state of Delaware, where it's far more restrictive. That is troubling to me. Can you answer that and also answer? Can you think of any real legitimate reason, especially now, like in New York, you're going you're gonna to need an ID to get into a restaurant, a, a vaccine passport, uh, so to speak, or to get into an arena. Um, you needed to get into the White House, the Capitol. You needed to buy a six-pack of beer. I don't know if you drink, but I do. I like beer. Um, or or even a, a jewel pod or the Democratic National Convention. Why are they so focused on getting rid of checks and balances and integrity like simple things like voter ID and signature verification, which both Georgia and Delaware call for? First of all, I do drink, but it's Diet Coke and root beer mostly, so uh, you know I don't get carded for that. You need that to stuff. hang out with me more um, often. Yeah, yeah. I'll take you to Crown Burger, we'll we'll and we'll have a six-pack with it. <laughs> mm, nothing better than Crown Burger, right? Nothing. I know. Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, so, look, yeah, you're exactly right. This, this prosecution, this, um, this lawsuit filed by the Department of Justice against the state of Georgia is a- an abomination. It's legally indefensible. It is without merit as a matter of law especially when you look at recent Supreme Court rulings, uh, they, they make that pretty clear. I can't imagine that this lawsuit will not end up being dismissed uh, 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 for failing on the merits. Uh, there just is no there there. And like you say, if, if they were, then that would beg all sorts of questions. Like, oh, why on earth haven't they gone after the state of Delaware a long time ago or Colorado or any of these uh, states that have had more restrictive laws on the books for a long time than Georgia did either recently or now or in the future. It's completely indefensible and it's very, very concerning. When you get law enforcement, when you get the Department of Justice of the United States going yeah. after a state simply to make sure that the people who show up to vote are who they say they are and are entitled to vote, something is going dangerously wrong. Yeah, I can only think of nefarious reasons myself. I'm trying. I'm looking for any any you know, innocent, you know, motive, but I don't find it. Senator Mike Lee, uh, thank you for joining us. And yes, Crown Burger is the best burger on earth. Love it. All right, Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern. We will have the latest on the draconian Democratic uh, COVID shutdown madness and new restrictions and mandated vaccines. Also, Governor Cuomo, well, now all these politicians, Democratic Party, New York, Around the country saying he's got to go. Will that pressure mount and get stronger? And will he do it? 9 Eastern tonight on Hannity. Thanks for being with us. Back here tomorrow. And we'll see you tonight at 9.